The mixed multitude who among the people yielded an intense craving. So the children also wept again and said, we will give us, who will give us meat to eat? So they actually had people from the Egyptian background who left with them and saying, hey, we were hungry. Remember how we used to eat back in, the, uh, in Egypt? And actually the people went along with it. So they had difficulty there. It says also in another place in 11, but for a whole month until it comes out of your nostrils and because it becomes loathsome to you because you have despised the Lord who is among you and you have wept before him saying, why did we ever come out of Egypt? Wow. So now they're really getting in the soup. And then one more I'll use real quickly. And the Lord said to Moses, 23, has the Lord's arm been shortened? Now you see whether what I say will happen to you or not. That's kind of what I want to have happen here today. The title of my talk is, There's Challenges in Victory. And if Rob would bring up Numbers 13.1, Shalach Lacha is send on your behalf the 12 spies. And so we read, and the Lord spoke to Moses saying, send men to spy out the land of Canaan, which I am giving to the children of Israel. From each tribe of their fathers, you shall send a man, every one a leader among them. And so Moses sent them from the wilderness of Paran, according to the command of the Lord. And all of them were men who were heads of the children. It's real interesting. And well, from starting from this, I'd like to make three points as we learned from Rabbi David. With victory, there are obstacles to overcome. Point number one, amen? That's right. And the point number two, the hardest victories there are excuse me, the, harder, the hardest challenge of a victory is to overcome our doubt, our worry, and our fear. You agree with that? It is. And number three we're going to look at is victory is achieved when we appropriate faith. Do you agree with that? Yes, it is. Thank you. So my story begins. Many of us, as we're walking and talking and thinking about life, we ask God, what do you want me to do? All of a sudden, a thought comes into your mind declaring something that you should do. So we take the idea or the thought that was dropped into our spirit and maybe we go to an elder or one of the leaders and we relate to them what was the vision or the idea that we had. Maybe it was a Bible study. God wanted you to start a Bible study. Maybe it's the Havarad group in your area. Or maybe something along 
those lines. Now the elders or the leader's response is, have you done this before? Right? That would be a natural response. Or have you had this vision before? Have you looked and has God laid this on your heart? Or is this the first time that you had this idea? Then number three is, and there's others, does the vision or the word that you receive line up with the word of God? Because that's what we want to do. We want to make sure that we're in line and harmony with God. And that's what we learned last week when we move ahead with the things of God. And if all the questions are answered in the positive and you're ready to get started, what happens? Obstacles, right? I mean, do you really think it just flows right in place and like everybody shows up for your Havarah group, everything is set, the coffee's ready, the food is prepared, and you're sitting there by yourself? Obstacles. Challenges come from every angle, not only trying to discourage you, but also to defeat you. And as you succumb to these fears, you lose your chance for victory. For I wrote here a little note to myself. The choice to serve God is lost, and we return to our seats when we succumb to fear. What am I saying there? We have an idea that God's inspired us. Everyone in this room has an idea where God's inspired, inspired you. And he wants you to participate. Here at Tikvot, we want people to be included in the service and, and ministering to people. But then something happens. All these obstacles and challenges come against us. And we, we start to think negative about the things that God wanted, wanted us to do. We start to doubt in our own mind. We start to worry, did God really say that to me? And we get to the point that we're afraid and we sit back down and do nothing. That's not victory. That's not victory. You see, when we read Numbers 13, one through three, we read about leaders. Would you bring it up again, Rob, please? Okay, you see the word for leader right there. And you shall send a man and everyone a leader from among them. That leader that they're describing there is an exalted one. It's actually a prince of families. This is just not haphazard selection of like, hey, there's 12 guys. Would you raise your hand who wants to go spy out on the, neighbor, the nations? That's not what this happened in here. These were selected for a purpose. And then if you looked at the next one, so Moses sent them from the wilderness, apparently according to the command of the Lord, all of them men who were heads of the children of Israel. The heads of the children of Israel, guess what, is exalted ones, oh no, excuse me, those in training to be heads of, be head of their families, rush of the families. So they were in training actually of being head of their families. They were probably young men. These 12 were selected because the children of Israel, because they had the potential in them to be leaders. They were told to go out and spy out the land for its worthiness. 
Now, what's interesting in this section, these first three verses, is that it appears that God told Moses, which it says, God told Moses to send them out. But is that truly what took place? Actually, if you look at Deuteronomy, you know, and Rob don't have it. If you look at Deuteronomy in your spare time, you'll see chapter 1, verses 19 through 30, is what, this is what the children of Israel requested of Moses, that they would send out, that Moses send out 12 tribes, uh, 12 spies, so we can sit back here and then judge when they come back. So God, in essence, was giving them what they had requested. The, tr the 12 spies were trusted to bring an accurate report. Or were they? Hmm. That report had to determine whether the Israelites were strong enough to take the hand, take the land with minimal casualties. That's what they were looking for. What's it gonna cost for us to take this land? Obstacle number one is that they saw, are the people stronger than us? I better look over here sometimes because I keep <laughs> Are the people stronger than us? I think that's a pretty good, a pretty good observation. Each, each situation that we find ourselves in life requires us to make an assessment whether we can afford the cost of our decision. Do you agree with that? Good. Before Yeshua says in Luke 14.31, what king going to make war against another king does not sit down first and consider whether he is able with 10,000 to meet him who comes against him with 20,000. That's double. The assessment was he assessed, they, the, the, the king assessed his strength and his weaknesses, and he sat down with his, with his, uh, his, his helpers or his generals, and they discussed what can, what can they accomplish. To what point can they achieve their goal or their victory? Moses instructs the spies to see what, what the land is like, whether the people are strong or weak many or few, whether the land is rich or poor, whether the cities are camps, in other words, are they open, or whether they are strongholds, fortified cities. Or by the, <clears throat> oh, and by the way, Moses says to them, bring back some fruit. Now if the cities are fortified, this would be a very great challenge, wouldn't it? Right, wouldn't it? If you, uh, if you attack a city that's fortified, and now we're talking about not what we see in the Western realm where they just take up some pine trees and they shape them and stuff and put them up and they got sticks. Oh, no, 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 this is a solid block. If you've been to Israel, you've seen the wall around Jerusalem. It's a thick wall where you actually walk through the opening and these walls are you know, 15, 15, 14, 15 feet thick. It probably means a fortified city that they are ready for attacks. They have a defensive mechanism, 
against any army that tries to penetrate, that they can achieve their victory by a minimal amount of people versus a large army. Would this be one of your concerns? If you were the Israelites, I would. They, they would discuss with themselves, how do we penetrate these walls? What kind of firepower are we gonna come against? Can we force the people out from within these walls to conquer them? This is what they would be, have been discussing if they believed they were fortified. You see, obstacles are part of the victory. That is the road to victory. Challenges will come against you whenever you make a decision to serve God. It's not easy. There will be challenges that you have to address in your life. Point number two, the hardest challenges of victory is to overcome our own doubt, worry, and fear. That's where it begins. Numbers 13, 26, 25, and 26, Rob. 13, 25, and 26. And they returned from spying out the land after 40 days. Verse 26. And they departed and came back to Moses and Aaron and all the congregation of the children of Israel in the wilderness of Paran, that's uh, Kadesh Barnea, they brought back word to them and to all the congregation and showed them the fruit. Remember Moses and said, bring some fruit back? And he showed them the fruit. Verse 22, 27. Then they told him and said, we went to the land where you sent us, 27. It truly does flow with milk and honey. And this is its fruit. It's a promise that God had told Abraham that I will send your people back to the land flowing with milk and honey. <clears throat> In verse 28, nevertheless, this nevertheless is one of those compound words, right? That sheds doubt, worry, and fear. So now verse 28 says, nevertheless, the people who dwell in the land are strong. The cities are fortified and very large. Moreover, we've seen the descendants of Anak there. That's why I said nevertheless, it's always that compound word which sheds some fear into our hearts. Why? Because the people are strong and the cities are fortified and very large. And they are giants in the land, the sons of Anak. The sons of Anak was considered an offspring of the Nephilim, described in Genesis 6-4, that you can look up later. And the term is meant as a violent men with great, with great stature. In other words, they take no prisoners. When you go to war with them, they take no prisoners. Have you ever been afraid of someone who makes you turn and run? 
I have. Billy, I went to middle school with. He went to jail, I went to high school. Came back to the neighborhood, Billy, first thing he saw was me. I was spending maybe five years in jail. He says, they used to call me by my last name, hey, Ramos! And I looked and I knew that name, Billy. And I said, yeah, Billy. <laughs> and he said, where you been? I said, I've been around where you've been. I've been in prison. And I said, well, nice to see you, but I have to get going. I'll catch you later. And I ran away from Billy as quickly as possible. Fear is an emotion that we all share at one time or another. It can grip us to the point of no action. It can freeze us right where we stand, unable to move. We've experienced some of that. Maybe not to the extreme, but we have experienced. I, was, I came here and I was praying right back there earlier, uh, during, before the service started, maybe at 9, 15, 9, 20. And I was being attacked by the spirit of fear for the message that I was bringing forth this morning. And I looked up and to my friends over there, my sanctified sisters were over there. And I went and I walked over to them and I said, hey, they, look, Clarine and, uh, and uh, Billy Joe, I'm under attack by a spirit of fear because my talk today is to dispel this. And I said, I need for you to pray for me. And they prayed for me and they broke it. They broke it, and I was able to return to what God wanted me to do, and I thank you for that. They're wonderful women of God. They've been faithful for years and years and years. They're one of those, those quiet few that you don't even know they're there, but you can count on them every day, every Shabbat. Thank you, ladies. See, the Bible says that fear of man bringeth what? A snare, that's right. The fear of man bringeth a snare. How would the giants make you feel if you were with the children of Israel? Their reputation. Verse 29 tells us a little bit about it. The Amalekites dwell in the land of the south, the Hittites, the Jebusites, the Amorites dwell in the, the mountains, the Canaanites dwell by the sea and along the banks of the Jordan. Ay, ay. Verse 30, then Caleb, Caleb quieted the people before Moses and said, let us go up at once to take possession for we are able to overcome. Poor Mo is probably in the mid-80s at this point, and this young Caleb is like, we can take him on, and he's listening to the other 10 spies telling a bad report of the land. But that's what it takes, someone who has chutzpah, as Caleb showed this morning, this day. Verse 31, but the men who had gone up with him said, we are not able to go up against the people, for they are stronger than we are. And if you remember, 
um, Maggie's response was, watch what, you do, watch what you share, watch what you, comes out of your mouth. The 10 spies were concerned that the warriors were stronger than them. They looked around at their people and saw the Israeli Navy SEALs, and they realized they are slaves that were just released about two years ago. How do they compare to the Canaanite Republican Guard that has been traveling and practicing and training for years? Didn't look good. They said, look at us, we're nothing but slaves from Pharaoh's prison. To face such an army, hmm. Verse 32 and 33. And they gave the children of Israel a bad report of the land which they had spied out, saying, the land through which we have gone as spies is a land that devours its inhabitants. Is that what they said? No. If you remember back in 27, they said there was a man, it's a land filled with milk and honey, just as God had promised. How did they change? You know what they changed from? Fear can actually make you tell a lie so that you can, don't have to face your challenge. And that's what happened here. Fear had gripped them, and they made a decision to lie about what they had said earlier because they didn't want to make the decision that Caleb recommended was let's get up and let's go now. They wanted to sit back and wait. Like I told you, we returned to our seats. That's what they wanted to do. They wanted to return to Egypt, and we will read that. Verse 33, we saw giants, the descendants of Anak, Came from, <clears throat> that came from the giants, and we were like grasshoppers in our own sight. And so we were, as we were, and, and, so, and so we were in their sight. They, 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 they uh, degraded themselves to a position of grasshoppers against mighty warriors. They changed the perception of their heart or who, the perception of themselves and felt as small as grasshoppers, not as violent warriors, valiant warriors. Point number three, fear, or, or excuse me, point number two, fear can stop your victory. It will stop your victory. And now point number three, victory is achieved when we appropriate faith. When we put our faith into action, we sing things not as they are, the valiant men, the giants in the land, the Canaanites, the Jebusites, the Hittites, the regularites, not as we, as we see it, but as God sees them. How do they measure up to God? How do these giants measure up to God? Well, ask David, because he, he, he faced one of them, and David said, he's nothing compared to the God of Israel. Who is he that would put down the God of Israel? And David saw Goliath compared to David, no match, compared to God, 
it was no match. You see the point here? So we have to see things as God sees them. Numbers 14, one. So all the congregation lifted up their voices and cried. And the people wept that night. And all the children of Israel complained against Moses and Aaron. And the whole congregation said to them, if only we had died in the land of Egypt. Oh, if only we had died in the wilderness. Come on, folks. Come on, who would be saying this? Except somebody who's full of fear. Why has the Lord brought us into this land to fall by the sword that our wives and our children should become victims? Would it be better for us to return to Egypt? And here it is. So they said one to another, Let's just change the leadership. Get rid of Moses, get rid of Aaron, particularly Caleb and Joshua. Change leadership, and we'll go back. There'll be no victory. We may have a slight victory. We'll be able to save our lives, but we'll go back. And five. Then Moses and Aaron fell on their faces before the assembly of the congregation of the children of Israel, they humbled themselves and wept. Verse six says, but Joshua the son of Nun and Caleb the son of Jebnuna, who among those who had spied out the land, tore their clothes. They were furious, they were full of anger. And they spoke to all the congregation of the children of Israel saying, the land that we pass through to spy out is exceedingly good and you know it. You know it. You're lying before the congregation to bring fear and fear settles in their heart. They're ready to go back without the victory. And God took us out of Israel, out of, out of Egypt to a land flowing with milk and honey. We are called to be victorious, right? We are called to be victorious. The challenges is what stops our victory, our obstacles. We became afraid. We're called to victory. And then here it is, the statement of faith, which I love with Caleb and Joshua. If the Lord delights in us, then he will bring us into the land and give it to us, a land which flows with milk and honey. Do you hear that? He's, they said, if the Lord delights in us, he will make a way. He will give us the land. All we got to do is go forward. That's what Caleb was saying. Let's get up and take possession of the land. In the senses, there was no way they were knocking down those walls or those fortified cities. In the senses, but in the faith, God could knock them down. He did it to Jericho, didn't he? He did it in our lives, hasn't he? Knocked the wall, knocked some walls down in our own lives. I'm closing, coming to a close here. 
And then it's the appropriation of our faith that accomplishes God's plan for our life, resulting in victory. I will say that again. It's the appropriation of our faith or trust that accomplishes God's plan for our life, resulting in our victory. God wants to see you victorious. Amen? And the last verse, it says in number nine, only do not rebel against the Lord. For God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Nor fear the people, nor fear the demons that attacked, like attacked me this morning. For they are bread. And here's the second half of this verse. For this is how they saw it in the supernatural. For their protection, those nations, has departed from them, and now the Lord is with us. Do not fear them. You see that? You see that there? He said, <clears throat> he said <clears throat> their protection, how God's hand was over them, because he's over all nations. He cares for all nations. He said, God, <clears throat> their protection has departed. <clears throat> And now the Lord is with us. Do not fear. Don't let fear grip your heart. So to recap, with all victories, there are challenges and obstacles to overcome. And we can overcome. But the hardest challenge that we face in ministry, in life, and in walking is our own fear. And number three, <clears throat> Victory is a treat achieved when we utilize our faith in God. Amen?